Hi, everyone. Welcome to Guidance to Personal Success podcast. This is Jana Stockman, transition life coach, speaker, and first-generation entrepreneur. I'm here with educational tools to help navigate through personal and professional life transitions. Purpose is to create a channel, provide value-driven advices, tips, empowering stories, and deeper motivation that you could apply to life you deserve. Thank you for spending time with me. Let's make the action happen and turn the power up. become. Having social media presence, I found that provide quick advice takes more than just a quick post or click the action button to get your attention. In real life, it's communication. And only through dialogue, we could come to some conclusion and answer some questions. So I asked myself, What else can I share my message and reach out to someone out there in that transition stage, starting a new jobs, changing life location, perhaps relationship, discovering new goal shifts? I want this podcast to be a platform to take time and address those conversations as well as have a dialogue wherever you're at in life. So let's get to that. 2010. That's the moment when I make decision that I have to change something in my life. And in those moments, you're kind of reevaluating what you have, what you're having, um, and you're redefining your identity. That's the year when I moved to the United States uh, from Ukraine. And, and why, why did something have to change? You reach to the point when you find yourself, at least I find myself after extensive traveling, um, that this is the next chapter. Like mm -hmm. when you start asking, what's there for me back home? Um, how can I evolve? What should I be doing? And that voice internal urge of was just nagging in me. I was keep coming back home. Often I didn't even unpack my suitcase, came up with another adventure, another adventure. Uh, backs, <laughs> backpacks were changing. The clothes was changing. But internally, I felt like anywhere I go, look for some drive adrenaline or like inspiration or research for my, my career. I was coming back with the same feeling of like, oh, something else there for me. Something is missing. I, can, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to find myself no matter how far I would go in the location I would put myself. That's what pretty much was answering your question, why something has to change, because the question was like, something got to change, because this has been repetitive. I feel like I'm mm -hmm. in the rabbit hole of this, uh, entertaining myself with adrenaline excitement, but internally, it was, something was missing. That is, that is interesting. How, how can it be that you are entertaining yourself, and you still feel something is missing? So was it more entertainment that was missing? I would say it was both. I knew what I was doing. The trips were a compensation mm -hmm. of 
what I didn't have growing up. Um, the opportunities that I grew up was slim and limited for me to grow up in minimum income family. The traveling mm-hmm. was not even actually an option and constant, um, excitement flipping the magazines or watching national geographic was something like out of this world when you actually literally don't have enough uh, money to take a train to see your grandma so you mm-hmm. save all year so you can afford to go this in the summertime and if you go then you stay there for three months to kind of like pay out the ticket so then you can uh, take enough before you go back to school and mm-hmm. that was my kind of geography home and then up north of Ukraine, back to east uh, side of Ukraine. And that was pretty much the distance. And knowing that there's so much there and you're not able to afford for some reason, I was always like, was curious at the geography lessons, like why we must learn about all these beautiful places if we cannot afford to go. Mm-hmm. And more and more growing up, was able to finally work and save. I start stretching the directions and I'm start getting much more exciting. It's become some sort of a, uh, addiction of what else, what's next, uh, how many countries, what, how far I can go, kind of start playing this idea of a comfort zone, stretching and expanding. But that was coming out of luck. It was not coming out of like, I'm going to go and find myself my purpose and mission. Well, at that age, that's, that's not my was priority. The priority yeah. was something else at uh, teenage age and in twenties. And I would say, because of that voice, because it was something was missing and need to be fulfilled was always there. Mm-hmm. But we compensate with excitement and adrenaline uh, by just like numbed up, um, and that was pretty much the escape plan, escape strategy. So- and what exactly did you change? Say it again. What exactly did you change? In, uh, in 20, 2010? Yeah, 2010, 2011. Yeah. Um, what changed was slightly further direction and much more big of a commitment. Mm-hmm. I knew I, it was one-way ticket first time ever it was never knowing the fact oh i will be back in seven to ten days or 14 Mm -hmm. days Mm -hmm. and i will be back to home it's going to be my parents my typical comfort zone reality and we'll see where we go from there this time it was long-term commitment knowing that there is no way back maybe and how is that gonna play out and knowing that fact you start questioning can you make it like the fear level increased and self-doubt level increased? Mm -hmm. And of course the favorite topic of self-worth increased. Like, am I actually capable? Am I worth to be there? Who am I? And what's there waiting for me? And the answer was uncertainty, nothing. There was no clarity. And that was 10 hours on that plane when I felt like there was no plan. Like you just literally <laughs> go in there and I had a job offer, but again, you're going into a known state and yeah. people who doesn't speak your language and people who doesn't um, maybe get the, the culture that experience that I had mm-hmm. and you have to go and embrace, not only embrace the fear, embrace the culture that you're going into and signing contract for 18 months 
knowing that this is 18 months, you just signed something that you're going to establish yourself there was scary. Was scary because you're not only not quite sure about who you are, but now you have to adapt to the new version of who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's that paralyzing mode that the old doesn't serve you back home anymore. Like there is no backing you up with familiar cultural expectations and the new is not defined. So here you are on that plane and um, uh, up in the air in the middle of Atlantic Ocean sitting and guessing and now you authentic and raw with yourself like once in the first time I was just true to myself authentic scared and pretty much relying on myself getting my own back and can you remember a thought that you had in mind when you were completely true to yourself True. Um, the thought, the thought. I remember it was a mixed feeling. Feeling. I was excited on one end because it was, a, again, another adrenaline rush. Uh, throw myself in uncertainty. And then on the other hand was absolute paralyzing fear of can I make it. Uh, the feeling was... Confusion, but with some sort of a contentment. I knew it's going to be the new, better opportunity for me to explore myself. And that was kind of give, gave me hope. That would actually let me purchase the ticket and wave my parents goodbye and make that, um, make that leap yeah. into growth versus fixed uh, reality. And, and now... If I understand you right, you were coming from a childhood with, well, let's call it limited, limited material possessions. Correct. And you're on your one-way ticket to the land of the possibilities, the land of consumerism itself, <laughs> where you can buy everything with your credit line. Yeah. And um, now, as far as I know, you are not the typical consumerist person. <laughs> what, happened, what happened in between? What changed internally for you? I think it started back home when I actually packing for my trip to U.S., Because the airlines only allow me this uh, 50 pound, 23 kilogram mm-hmm. suitcase and um, per person, per, per, per trip. And when I start packing, I start questioning everything that I thought was important and everything I was saving money during the, the, the high school, during the college mm-hmm. and buying those things to kind of define me. They just simply didn't fit in my suitcase. <laughs> yeah. It was just like this too much of like meaningless pieces of like clothes that would define me, accessories that would be like giving me some sort of a feeling and status and understanding of who I am or like my self-expression. Mm-hmm. Uh, the art pieces that I brought up from the trip, well, clearly my uh, seven pound elephant from India would not fit in my suitcase. It's like not practical piece, even though it gives me like memories, attachment. So I'm looking at all of those possessions and realizing that 
oh my God, did I just invest it in things that I cannot really, uh, that doesn't really play that important of a role? And that felt literally like scary because if this doesn't serve me and this is extra that I thought was had meaning, then what's left? And what's and left? What's, what's there for me? What's left? Yeah, if not this yeah. possession that defined yeah. me, and what, what was is? it? Yeah, that's the question. What was left? What left? It was very simple. Myself, my talents, my knowledge, my education, my personality, my personality traits, what I'm striving for, my beliefs, uh, my attitude, all of that. And the funny thing, none of that was like tangible material. Mm -hmm. It was internal. And I could literally start with that as a base anywhere I go. And then did you rebuy? Oh, excuse me. I touched the microphone. And did you rebuy the, um, the elephant? <laughs> well, no. <look> at this. <laughs> no. This one is heavier than, uh, than seven pounds. Yeah. Why, why not? Why didn't you, why didn't you, well, rebuy these possessions that you liked before? Because my belief shifted um, because I already had that back home and mm -hmm. that served me purpose and there is no need for replacement of it. It's already have a value, just like that one pair of jeans that I really love. I don't have to go and buy uh, five for the price of one or 30% off uh, just because they have less of a value because I can buy more for less. And I always, since that moment, Florian, and I have this suitcase mindset. I thought if something happened to me, if I have to move, will I be able within like tonight pack my life in one suitcase and one going to go there? Like, do I need to start thinking and put all those pictures on my hard drive right now and start scanning them or all my paperwork and documents that I can store in my laptop and minimize? Or do I need to just uh, give away, donate or share my uh, maybe five pair of jeans and just like keep that one right now? Like it was immediate uh, practicality come into my life. And I like that about this world. In the U.S., people are practical. Even though the media uh, portrays that there is never enough and there is always a bigger house, bigger mansion, and there is a better car and there is a better version of a, a new cell phone, uh, you still have that feeling that what you have is enough And if you choose to invest in something that brings you fun, joy, or st statement, status, inspiration, go ahead, get it, buy it. But mm -hmm. that suitcase, I thought, let's see, let me measure it, go back to my suitcase. Would that fit, fit in? If not, then no, I don't need it right now. And that was pretty much become a, call it frugal, <laughs> call it practicality. Yeah, well, which brings me to another um, to another idea or another question I have often when I talk to people about something called minimalism um, the getting rid of excess stuff mm -hmm. there are two two responses I hear very often on the one hand is well 
yeah, okay, Flo, you can do that living alone on that mountain in Switzerland. It doesn't matter what you look like. The other thing is, oh, look at yourself. You, you own so much stuff because I have quite a few hobbies. Mm -hmm. um, and well, I can, I can give a, an answer to, to, to both of these, but I'm interested in, in first your answer as you, well, everybody who's, who's watching this can, can see you. Well, everybody who's only listening to you. Um, well, you don't look like the typical, I live only out of a suitcase mm -hmm. lost in the seventies hippie. Yes. If I if I look at your the background of your office, there's not much stuff, but everything looks like crafted, designed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, how is it being a woman that wants to be well, wants to present herself in a certain way? If you, on the other hand, say, "Well, I don't want to have excess stuff." How do you find your balance? And what is your tip to our listeners? I love it. You ask perfect person who love fashion. Um, and I love aesthetics. And I'm a big uh, fan of all, any forms of art. And on top of it, I was a, I am a professional dancer since age of five. So mm. you could imagine... Um, You have more than Date. one dress for dancing. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I would say this. When I start playing with the fashion and when, as I said, thought during the college years, all this stuff, clothes defined me and uh, this identity that I had. When I moved in and start realizing I don't have it right now in with, with me and I need to spend years to reinvest in all of what I had then I didn't go and rebuy it instead I invested in something that serves me purpose serves me to the extent it was practical it I felt good at it and that become just a statement piece that I could combine and mix and match. And I think some of the fashionistas who listening to us, we, there's a term capsule wardrobe when you could match pieces and multiply and wear uh, with a style. But I define my own minimalistic lifestyle. I agree. I might not look like one of those traditional minimalist. Whatever Japan. a traditional minimalist is. <laughs> Whatever it is, exactly. With maybe like promotion of like one fork, one spoon and no couch and just like empty walls. For me, minimalism must serve me, but in a meaningful way, not serve me with 15, I don't know, uh, ice cream scoops. I can just have that ice scraper for my car, just one that worked. Um, same for my office. Like what I value um, would be here. And if I don't, it must go. Same with clothes. If I notice this color And if I just flip my hangers every time I wear that uh, item, put it back and flip it, I would start seeing the pattern that this sweater I was wore for like seven days a week. And that dress that I bought an investment, I don't recall when last time I wore it. Mm -hmm. And I think for women, same with the, with the shoes, I always recommend invest in priceless, invest in vintage, invest in something that works, that will pay you off, that will be uh, quality. 
And that applies not only for clothes, same goes for friendships, same goes for uh, business, same goes with um, investment. Mm-hmm. And by collecting things, items and thoughts, beliefs, expectations of others, listening of those self-sabotaging voices, sooner or later, we run out of storage, which ends and end up cluttering spaces we live in. The outcome, what would that be? That mind cycle will be, we end up serving them. Like I end up serving those genes by providing more shelves, more space, more storage versus those items serves me. Mm-hmm. Which is the last item that you got rid of because it did not serve you? I actually, good question. I've been in the past this two weeks and like massive decluttering, decluttering mode. I went through all the bins, like set five bins and put... I just literally declutter my closet and put in all of those bins, photograph everything, post it online and reselling everything that just been there more than two years or one year. Yeah. Can you give me one, one item that you can recall? Uh, gosh, I, I think it was uh, the pants or a top. It, it was like literally five bins of stuff, like just went out on online. How did that enter your life in the first place? I did. So here's how practical I was. Even though it was one suitcase, <laughs> it was one suitcase that I moved out. I did ask my parents to send me some of those items that I valued, that they were home. And when I look at some clothes, um, those were jeans for like 10, 15 years. I remember buying them in 2009. I asked my parents to send me and I was wearing them. And then at some point, they become or big or small, or they just simply weren't out. Mm-hmm. And by now I already have something to replace them. So why would they be there sitting, clattering, uh, remind like great memories, but it's just close. That's was not that that's not memory that I would treasure. I have one more question for fashion. Please. Um, well, I th- As far as I understand fashion, which I don't very, <laughs> very well, um, it's not, often it's not about being well, better than the old or more practical than the old. Often it's just about being new. So changing the look, having something fresh, looking different than yesterday and especially looking different than a year ago. When I started to buy well for myself i took the decision that i only bought the highest quality clothes Mm -hmm. which ended up lasting forever (laughs) so all of a sudden now if you if you if you look at the last episode i I, well these are three shirts that i'm wearing and there's this blue sweater that i have all of every time it's cold i have the same blue 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 sweater it was super Super high quality, yeah. Um, all natural, super comfy, and I'm yeah. I wear it until it it falls apart. Yeah, I think if I would take fashion more serious, I'd be bored by my look because it's always the same. How do you deal with that? How do I deal with uh, fashion, or how do I deal with, with this? trend no with 
buying high quality that lasts for a long time it might and that it might bore you because oh the look doesn't change i good question because i did invest in good quality pieces and that actually gave me more of a mindset than piece itself because the fact that i'm going and buy invest something i don't know in high end uh cashmere sweater or a good pair of branded jeans that will last me minimum eight, 10 years. It was a breakthrough moment for me to even actually invest in myself. Uh, but back to your question, I don't think, I never get bored. To me, it's my, uh, my style. And that comes with so so much variety and I feel versatile in that. So I think your question would be like the, that high end piece would not define me. Uh, I'm not boring. When we say like this piece is boring, I'm wearing that like all of a sudden I feel boring. Like I'm become the same all, all the time. No, I think internally that piece make me feel what uh, better about myself um, covering my chest or that piece is just a statement for to go out and show people that label. Like, what, what is that? What's the purpose it serves me? To me, it just gives me some sort of a practicality. And that's my background, how I was raised. I remember my dad will be value those pieces for years. They will be sitting untouched. He will make sure that pencil will only be used when the other one will be done or run yeah. down. <laughs> I personally think that this was um, um, a piece of wisdom that you that you gave to all the fashionistas out there. Um, I have right now a couple of people in my mind where I know that when they do something successful at work, they like to buy some new clothes to show to show off to show how good they feel mm -hmm. if something if they screw up they want to buy something new because they want to treat themselves for while well, feeling miserable with something else if the season changes they want to have something new because they well they feel so good about the sun coming out or they want to be better protected because it's so cold whatsoever there's always a reason and what i heard in between the lines was a secret against that desire. And that is, well, loving yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you said, because you said, well, I'm not boring. Mm -hmm. I'm an interesting person. And that's what I present to everybody else. It, in the end, it doesn't matter what covers me because I am and I, I remain an interesting person. Mm -hmm. And if you manage, now if you, listener, <laughs> manage to live into that, that you say, well, I am enough. Well, like Leo Babauta says, you are enough alone in a room. So it, you could be wearing a brown piece of cloth and you would be the most interesting person in the room. Yeah. Well, and now you have the money to buy nice clothes, then buy something which is not thrown on the market because the color wasn't in last year. Buy something that is, well, as high quality as you are as a personality. 
Exactly. Then it, it, it won't it won't bore you. It won't bore others. It's um, it's like a beautiful tree. Well, it's, you don't have to cut down that tree and, and plant a new one every year because once it's well majestic and grown and every year it has some new leaves, but it remains the same tree. I agree. And minimalism is much more than decluttering and simplifying. It is mindset that could be applied in the different ways to the different situation. And it's not just about black and white, basic wardrobe, What's that? No furniture, one fork, one cup. And it's a highly uh, flexible concept and naturally open to variety. I love art. If that paint and picture made my uh, spark in me some joy and emotions, it's going with me. Like I must have it because that's what serves the purpose. And I think I come to minimalism from the practicality and the meaning. That's mm-hmm. my concept. I, is, there is variety. Uh huh. What is your what is your tip for those listeners? Mm-hmm. Now, two different kind, kind of listeners. One that think they have too much and they would like to simplify. And now the second part of the question, what is your tip for those who think they don't have enough? Mm-hmm. Good question. Thank you, Florian. I think I've been in both those situations. When I'm still thinking I have so much, and when I had that feeling, it just comes to start taking inventory of your life. If I feel too much, what does that mean too much? Um, I think that autopilot of constant life flow without reflecting um, never brings clarity to life. Instead, we get stuck feeling like, oh, my God, there is more and more to buy that will define me and nothing changing. Life is a mess. Nobody cares. There's not enough or I need something to spare because it's out of trend. I think inventory of your life brings that management approach. Um, What stories am I telling myself? Like being manager of your own life, evaluating mm-hmm. what do you have, what's right, what at what right level, and is it at the right place at the right time? And it's if it's a right value to serve me. Um, and start with recycling. Recycling your mind, start with that. Um, by I think by recycling the mind um, of what is creating for you that too much how is it affecting your life does that bothering you uh, just try to be mindful about your waste what are you wasting uh, time by shuffling restocking reshuffling and even daily life how is it uh, make your day productive recognize what stop you from that moving forward in life, feel clear, free, and light. And second question you ask, mm, that's a good one. They don't have enough. Yes. Oh, I love, I would uh, highlight two uh, tips. May I, in- may, I, may I just give one more or add one more piece of information? Um, I, I'm, ref- well, I hear often minimalism is a first world problem. 
There are only people think about minimalism who live in a world of too much because they feel the pain of being overstressed. So for them, something gets better. My personal experience is that people in the poorest area of Africa, mm -hmm. they, are, they don't have too much, but they still don't have a minimalist mindset. Often it is the case that their parents do have a minimalist mindset and they are quite happy. You see these old African people sitting in front of their house, just chit-chatting and they always have the biggest smile. And then the youth, very often they are stressed, they are hustling. Yeah. They think they need to have more. This is why I believe that minimalist isn't, isn't what, but it, it's, it's not a, it's not a cult. It's not a religion and it's not about stuff. No. It's just a mindset. Yeah. It's a, from my opinion, it's a, it's a recipe to focus on what is important in your life. Yeah. Because we only have so much time, not more. And we Absolutely. only have so much money and we only have so much energy. And every moment we can only invest once. And therefore, in my simplifying, in my opinion, it's not about well, the, the reason behind or the meaning behind. It's not about saying no. It's about saying yes to the right things. Those that don't wear you out, but mm -hmm. those that make your life richer. And you can mm -hmm. only fully say yes to something if you, in that moment, say no to everything else. So I, when I started, it was about saying no. Mm -hmm. And now I say no. <laughs> no, not no. <laughs> yeah. It's about saying yes to what matters most. Absolutely. And um, therefore this, it, there was a time when I had too much and it stressed me out to find that. And now what about those listeners who don't think that they already have too much, but they would like to have so much more? Back to that question. What is your suggestion? Uh, you just highlighted one of those moments when I was traveling in India and I could relate to that story when people were absolutely happy with less, with not much. And some people would say with nothing, but they had something internal. Mm -hmm. Then I remember every single smile on that street. They were not homeless. They were not poor. They were just people. Not maybe up to the standard of uh, Western Eastern mm -hmm. world, But it's exactly what inspired me to, I would answer this question in two parts. First, my answer would be stripped down to the essentials. And second would be love what you have. And I will expand. So the minimalism, as you said, Florian, uh, uh, the minimalist principle is to start simplifying your life and start identifying what is essential and most important in your life. Is your focus there? Or is some thing or someone is distracting it? And if you don't know what's important to you, start to discover. Yeah. What do you value in life? What's matter the most? Importance um, identifying brings this focus and clarity on your priorities. 
And that's so much easier to make the decision for what fits in your life and what doesn't. And applying this will not leave any room for what others tell us we should want or have to be. And second is love what you have. Um, How many things do we own that are considered truly special, like truly? And after we unclutter, (laughs) not much, like to be honest, not much. And spending time cleaning and moving things around, absorbing negative self-talks, like investing into the people who do not serve us, hustling to save, to buy another thing are simply not worth our precious time. And back to that question, like what we truly consider special probably would be the time. And time, that's all we have. We have choice to use it wisely. So by the end of the year or season, maybe the advice will be go through each part of your life from the closet to relationships and to belief, to the connection um, and reevaluate or mm-hmm. get rid of what does not in practical use, what does not provide you love. That's what would be probably where I would yeah. suggest. Th- thank you for that. What What could you, what do you think of that you don't have at the moment and that would add value to your life? It doesn't have to be something materialist. It has um, just anything. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's a good question. What would add value? I would say wisdom. Um, wisdom and contentment. Okay, now tell me where you get that. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be waiting there. Yeah, I think that unfortunately, the answer, fortunately, it will come out of process or like life learn, as we live, like through this journey that will come from there. Mm-hmm. So it's a time-consuming investment. <laughs> I will say that. Wisdom. Um, and I would probably wish and would love to have um, contentment. Being an entrepreneur and business owner um, triggers um, in me as a high-driven overachiever all of this wants and needs mm-hmm. of having expanding, create more value for people and reach out to more, connect with more, help them to navigate through life changes and transitions. Like that's, I'm on constant um, will spinning mode in a good way. It's generate some results, motivation, inspiration. And I feel like I'm contributing to the world, serving my mission, but it's still a process. It's still a movement and still like well, is thousand people impact is enough? Probably not. Let's do million. And that does not come with contentment. When you feel like you're serving your purpose, you don't have to lift a finger. You can just like radiate your wisdom. It will be great. But I feel like as a business owner, I have, I have to, and I'm saying this mindfully and consciously that have to um, probably is on my mind strong right now that I'm learning more and more that being who I am is enough and flip that I need to do 
to become that. Instead, I am like that. I don't have to do more. I had this backward <laughs> all this yeah. uh, all my life. I had this backward. I need to get another PhD. I need to uh, win another championships and uh, my, get my hobby to the next level. I need to speak fourth language or I need to uh, generate revenue X amount. So when I do that, then I become successful. Then I will be recognized, loved, appreciated, and enough. And once I flip that, Mm-hmm. It, there was an energy shift in, in that belief okay I have one more question please um, business wise mm-hmm. as you earn money serving people I think this is why I'm, I'm, I'm interested in your business as well What would be a goal, business-wise, that you would like to achieve if you, if you wouldn't know it's impossible? So, put it simple, tell me an impossible goal for your business. Hmm. I want to say it's possible. I don't like that uh, in- no. intention of impossible. Make it so big that it's impossible, that you don't know how to get there. For some reason, first in my mind comes like the world contribution, the world recognition. I'm a globalist. Like to me, uh, if I can open coaching service office somewhere on the moon, um, it would be great. Uh, but I can probably world level arena impact like right now it kind of impossible but it's doable and i think it would just make a big difference for for my business yeah okay that's a good question an impossible goal is a place to come from not a place to go to. Mm. So if that is an impossible goal, you carry the solution inside of you. It's funny that you stay that way because I'm like, wait a minute, but I am serving the world. Like being an <laughs> international um, coach and serving people over the world, I'm like, wait a minute, but I'm doing it. It's just, yeah, maybe the flip of a vision help i agree well now last but not least if somebody has not heard about simplifying clutter and minimalism before what is your suggestion for them where to start where to start well first of all ask yourself a question uh Do I need to have that in the first place? Uh, if it's triggering you something of like, yeah, like where to begin? I need help. Or I think I can tempt with that. I think it starts with a question. Why would you need that? Um, okay. Well, so let's, let's, let's stop there. <laughs> 
for our listeners, why would you need it in the first place? I can speak from my own experience. I would not know why would you listeners need that. But for me, it create a space where I could invite, bring, produce, invest mm -hmm. things that only enhance my life and up my potential and create a room for meaningful things and let me actually evolve and breathe easily. Um, that concept reduced my stress and expand on more opportunities because I had space. I was not, I was operating out of, oh my God, there's so much on my plate. How can I get this excited opportunity? Instead, I had that opportunity, I had that space to create opportunity. And the minimalistic approach works by having balance in meaningful consumptions. So it helped me separate what's mine what I have been told to believe. Mm -hmm. You might have consumed an idea and took as your own, but does that really belong to you, if you would ask? That blueprint of how we grow up and raised. This life is yours, only yours. So clear, help me clear out the chatter in my, my head and create clean and clutter space to, for great impressive thoughts of what do I want and turn into the beautiful source of abundance and energy and not coming out of place. Well, I wasn't grew up like that. So why am I expecting to have any different or the money doesn't grow on trees or we are not a Rockefeller. All of those stories were part of my life for years until I choose to strip down and come to the basic of to the essentials. So having that balance of that the past does not, does not define your future and Am I willing to create my own future? And how does that look like? Recreate my blueprint with adding what I knew, mm -hmm. who I am by now. That's the concept was for me. But create your own. You and have if somebody wants to find out more about your concept, what's a good place to find you or find out something about you? I feel like... I keep it simple in life. Uh, <laughs> yes. I am my own concept. And if you need me, just go to my website. And it's which, my, is? which is janastockman.com. I encourage you to make your success a lasting experience and always have tools in place, which is I happily share consistently on all social media platforms. You can find me through my website, janostakma.com, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, LinkedIn, this podcast. And if you need to invest time in yourself, get the opportunity and schedule that free discovery coaching phone calls. And I will be happy to guide you through your personal success journey.